0: bird's eye view. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is February 12th, 2018, and this is episode 224. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And on today's show, we'll look ahead as pitchers and catchers report tomorrow. Well, the catchers do. Boom, <laughs> Thank you every single person in the Birdland area who has made that joke on talk radio.
1: And then later in the program, Scott and I are going to talk from the heart
0: and we'll do that all after we lubricate for the show and trust me we're going to do some serious lubrication for that second part of the show it's time for the drink of the week uh jake what are you imbibing on this week i'm very excited because i'm trying something for the first time that i
1: should have been all over well ahead of now i'm drinking for the first time an Americanon from heavy seas of course uh loose cannon is my jam this is my one of my favorite uh brews. Um, and so now I'm trying their, uh, American and pretty good, uh, a double
0: dry hopped American ale. Uh, I, I do, I do recommend it. I'm going, uh, similar in the heavy seas category. I'm doing a peg leg stout tonight. So, uh, you, uh, Hugh was, uh, basically getting all our money this evening is the best way to put it. <laughs> Bird's eye view is brought to you by. Yes. Uh, so in many, <laughs> in many ways, it really is. In many ways, it truly is. So if you want to find out what we're drinking on a daily, weekly, or evening basis, uh, check us out on Untappd. I'm at MEGN8606.
1: I'm at JakeE4025. And remember, if you're ever ashamed of what you're drinking, just scroll through my check-ins and you'll feel
0: so much better. Find that Bud Light Lime. You know, if you're feeling awfully sick after hearing Jake basically uh, discuss his Bud Light Lime addiction, uh, maybe it's time we go ahead and dabble a little bit into the medical wing. All right, let's talk Zach Britton, because he's kind of the linchpin of everything going on right now uh, in terms of the medical wing. Um, Achilles injury, uh, he underwent surgery December 21st, 2017, a great Christmas gift for all of Birdland. Um, went underwent physical therapy, um, may throw off a mound before opening day. What? He may throw off a mound before opening day? Is this real life? I mean, it's possible. I mean, if you think about it, you know, maybe that's four months, basically. And they said it was a four to six month recovery time. It just seems to me, you know, they said at FanFest that they had been
1: giving us all along the worst-case scenario so as to, to give fans the, you know, the most reasonable
0: expectations right. possible. Of course, the Orioles always do that. How could we possibly feel like things are going to go well for us? All right, so let's think about this logically. If Zach Burton is just beginning to throw um, off the mound right before opening day, um, it's probably going to take him, what, at least another four-plus weeks to come back? Into somewhat of a serviceable role, so I mean, maybe May, maybe. I mean, Zach Britton's talking about May potentially coming back and helping the team. Are you buying it? Not really, just because of usual Orioles-related pessimism. But uh,
1: if if he can be back with the team by May, I think that's great. Um, I hope he has a team to save. <laughs> you know, I hope I hope it's meaningful that he comes back in May. The other
0: question, though, is that he. Had oh, wait. if he comes back in May, he'll have a team to save for it. Probably be like the St. Louis Cardinals at that point. But <laughs> why do you hurt me, sir? <laughs> but I mean, there's definitely, I mean, we'll see what happens with Zach Burton. I still think it's going to be one of those situations where, um, Zach Burton is going to come back. It'll be very interesting to see how his mechanics do, especially with his plant foot. Um, I, I personally am not expecting um, anything of significant value whatsoever from Zach Burton this year. Um, but again. Let's let him prove us wrong, and we'll go from there. Um, but at least it sounds like there has been no other additional setbacks, which is typical for Orioles injury. So. Well, hey, let's just wait till camp opens up, and then we'll we'll see what, what well, gets added to the medical wing. We'll see. Yes, exactly. Uh, nothing else really happened in the medical wing, so I guess 240 characters or less? If we must. This week on the Twitters. Our first tweet comes from
1: Ryan Flaherty. Mr. F. Mr. Himself, F. The F-bomb at R Flarity 3 He uh, he took a picture of, uh, of some text, and it reads as follows. It's been a long time since I first walked in Camden Yards in early January 2012. I first arrived through the warehouse, which is an image that will always stick with me. A few minutes later, I was in the manager's office, which is a conversation... I will never forget. Six seasons have gone by since that day. I remember thinking then, just making it one day would be a pretty cool experience. From the game in Texas to the series in New York, from the September night in Baltimore in 14 to the series in Detroit and Kansas City, all the way way until the game in Toronto, there are moments that I will take with me forever. It was an honor to play in a blue-collar city like Baltimore and to play in that stadium every night, and I'll always be appreciative of the loyal fans. The Angelos family... Dan, Buck, and Brady, all the coaching staff, trainers, strength, coaches, front office, clubhouse staff, and especially my teammates. It has truly been an honor, Ryan. Ryan Flaherty, he gone. He gone. Fan favorite. I mean, we saw it at Fan fest. There's a lot,
0: you know, Ryan Flaherty's parents were there in full force. Uh, so the question I feel like you're either in the, you're okay with Ryan Flaherty camp, or you're in the, I hate Ryan Flaherty camp. And I feel like there's two different camps here of either... You're absolutely in love with the guy, or you're just like, I would rather see Robert Andino out there.
1: Are you saying that sports fans are maybe a little uh, a little unfair?
0: Uh, let's just say that uh, in this polar world that we live in, there are two different camps. All right. Here's what I want to know. Where is my tribute video? You're going to have to talk to uh, the Orioles Spastic about that. I demand satisfaction for a tribute video. Um, speaking about satisfaction... I can't can- get no... We can talk about the Orioles who perform cheap, short, and intense failure with their satisfaction rather than long, drawn-out, and expensive satisfaction. Of course, we're talking about pitching here, and this tweet comes from Jerry Krasnick. At Jay Krasnick, the hashtag Orioles have checked out Lance Lynn, Andrew Kashner, Jason Vargas, Alex Cobb, and Chris Tillman, among others. They appear content to wait in hopes of signing someone to a short-term deal. Peter Angel is hesitant to commit to a four-year deal after the Ibaldo Jimenez uh, experience. So let's go through those names. Um, of individuals that be willing to accept a short-term deal chris tillman okay i'm done (laughs) you know if you read carefully it says that
1: the orioles have checked out these people but i think if you read between the lines you can see that it says the orioles have
0: checked out on these people gotcha gotcha
1: here's the thing though it it says that uh, peter angeles has been burned by the Hobaldo Jimenez experience. So he's not going to spend on on pitchers. He's not going to give them more than a three year deal. How has he not been burned on every other experience that he's had, bringing in has beens and quadruple A players? How has that not burned him? I guess maybe because it doesn't hurt the pocketbook as much? I, I guess. Or,
0: you know, he just doesn't really like Hobaldo Jimenez in a, uh, in a straw hat.
1: <laughs> Next, we have a tweet from our good friends at Canon Chat, who, t- of course, tweet at Camden chat they have an article which you should absolutely go and read and the tweet is as follows the Orioles still need 60% of a starting rotation and they're reportedly to- uh, talking to the Astros Rays and others
0: about maybe getting some of it how how
1: what are they going to trade they, these yeah, people
0: that don't see what they have available to basically entice them to take it I mean they only have one Zach Britton Achilles tendon to trade away I mean unless someone's really high in Austin Hayes but I, I just don't see that happening um, similarly things that just make you want to really literally rip hair out of your head. Uh, this next tweet comes from Dan Connolly at Dan Connolly 2016. Psst, Dan, it's 2018. Um, nothing is determined yet, but expect Mike Wright to start games for the Orioles in April. Why? Why, God, why?
1: This tweet made me irrationally
0: angry. And, and if you actually read the
1: article, I mean, Dan is not advocating for this at all. But, um why Why? we know that's bad news we know it's bad
0: news we it is literally the the worst idea in the world um but generally you know to summarize dan's argument he basically says the orioles don't want to give up on um a talent potentially like mike wright because they don't want to have another jake arietta situation pop up on them again um but it's just like dan says uh, there is a huge difference in talent between a Jake Arrieta and a Mike Wright. We all looked at Jake Arietta and said, if he could put it together, he'll be something. But there's nothing there that Mike Wright has. We all look at Mike Wright and go, ugh. But we just say, like, okay, you know, he could be a potential serviceable fist starter, but more than likely he's a Tommy Hunter-esque pitcher. I mean, he doesn't scream, you know, number three or number two starter. He screams, yeah. Maybe Miguel Gonzalez. He a, a makes best. me scream when I
1: wake up at night. Um, here's the thing, though. Uh, what I think is happening with uh, Dan Connolly's Twitter handle is that he's tweeting from the past, Try, and, trying to warn us. And the Orioles are also in the past mm. with Mike Wright. All right, let's move on to the Baltimore Orioles, who tweet, of course, at Orioles. And I think this may be the last bit of good news on this subject that we will glean. The Orioles have agreed to terms with a one uh, to a one year contract. For 2018 with infielder Jonathan Scope avoiding arbitration. Yeah. 8.5 million dollars. Is that what it came down to?
0: Yeah. And oh. then I think Jonathan wanted nine. I, I I don't know. Like everyone got kind of for like, oh, that's interesting. But like, I don't know. I just consider this the aspect of the Orioles kind of knew they were gonna lose. So they're just like, let's settle so we don't lose sure. our record, basically. <laughs> All right. Um,
1: next, here here's a tweet that uh It tugs at the heartstrings a little bit. This comes from Joe Paparato, who, of course, tweets at Joe Papa. There uh, there were some tough times growing up as an Orioles fan. Seemed like there was no hope for a winning season. But 10 years ago, 10, Adam Jones, the captain, was traded to Baltimore. The culture on the team, city, fans changed for the better. Here's to another 10 years at Simply AJ10. That's crazy, isn't it? 10 years ago? I mean, Adam Jones, you know, he's he's a pleasure to watch. He really is. For as persnickety as he can be sometimes on social media, as surly as he can occasionally get, he is a lot of fun to watch. And it really is important to remember that he was right there as a catalyst for when things started going well for the Orioles again. And uh, you know, who knows what will happen after this season? But I really hope that we have a couple more seasons of the Cap Ten left in us.
0: All right, I got one more tweet. And it's an odd one, is the best way to describe it. It's one of those ones that doesn't significantly impact the Orioles, but there has to be a really interesting story behind it. And it comes from Rocco, uh at Mass and Rock. Uh, this week goes as follows. Former hashtag Orioles outfielder Nolan Reimold will work out at the MLB Players Association 31st camp for free agents in Bradenton. Union approved, then denied Reimold based on his six-year free agent status. Agent got involved and in matter resolves ro- Resolved. Reimel now repped by Joshua Kuznick. Um, it, this is really weird. Like, you know, w- why would the major, why would the union basically say, oh, well, no, you're not allowed to come, but then they originally approved him. I just don't understand what the logistics here were of saying, we're not allowing you to come. There's so much to unpack
1: here. First of all, why is Nolan Reimold trying to get back into baseball? Right. Clearly not going to happen. Uh, secondly, yeah, what what are the rules for this MLBPA camp? What I'm really interested in, though, is the necessity of this camp. You know, and in our last episode, which is a full month ago at this point, we were talking about the slowness of the season, of the off season. We hadn't gotten to the point where we were seriously ready to to talk about collusion. And I'm not really sure that I'm ready to go that far anyway. But here's a question for you, Scotty. Do you think it's possible that Major League Baseball's Player Association will continue the practice of a 31st free agent camp if— it's going to continue to be a late uh, spring uh, type of signing period? Or do you think this is another good way to make sure that players can be showcased and therefore have a better chance of getting jobs?
0: I think this is a dog and pony show. I think that eventually it'll be one of the situations where the union will basically say, what are we getting out of this and what additional insurance do we need to take out? What additional health providing do we need to do? Um, I, I just think that it's going to be a one or two day thing and then it's going to just disappear into the night. Okay. Um, I just don't think it's going to be a long foregone thing. I think it's a lot of hoopla, basically. I wonder what
1: kind of media attention the uh, the, the 31st camp will get.
0: You know, the MLB network does
1: their 30 for 30. Are they going to be stuck with 31? No. No.
0: No. Again, it's it's Major League Baseball, so we'll get a view of the Red Sox camp. We'll get a view of the Yankees camp. We'll get a view of the Cubs camp, and we'll get a view of the Dodgers camp.
1: All right. Mo- most important question: Sure, will there be people running in in gym shorts at the MLB thirty first camp? Oh no doubt. There's no question <laughs> That's about really it. the
0: only important the most thing important that thing is
1: there'll be people there in the best shape of their lives. Ooh, ooh. That's a good question. So that is what's going on in the world of Orioles baseball in 280 characters or less. Now, Scotty, there is spring training just around the corner, and the Orioles can seem to avoid it, but we can. Let's hit it. We're going to call this one Hope Springs Elsewhere. Now, look, I don't want to be all negative about the Orioles before anything has even started, but they're not giving us a lot to work with. Spring training will start tomorrow before their offseason has really kicked off into gear. And regardless of how slow the rest of the league has been, though there are some things starting to happen, the Orioles have made no significant changes to meet their needs. Um, I'm struggling here. I want I want to be excited about baseball uh, but I also don't want to generate false excitement for a team that's clearly adrift. Uh, the other thing is that I don't want to, you know, waste cycles beating up the team, being angry with the team, because it's very possible that they make a couple signings and I say, okay, yeah, they might be able to cobble together a season with this. Why don't I to just, you know, stop freaking out? I, I, all we can do is wait, right? All we can do. I, I, it will be emotionally exhausting to just rage against the the Orioles ineptitude because the chances st- are still out there. I will tell you, though, if we start to see some of these free agent pitchers come off the, the the market, I mean, at some point, you have to light the torches and grab your pitchfork, right?
0: Do you? I mean, or can you just basically preclude that it's pretty much not going to happen and there's really no reason to get upset about it? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I would I would think that, you know, apathy is really the – you know, the Orioles' worst I don't think here. it's apathy. I think, it's again, it's coming back to the aspect of acceptance. So, again, I'm at the acceptance stage of my depression.
1: All right, fine. So, uh, pitching, we've, we've talked just— we've t- Everyone has ground. talked
0: ad nauseum about this. We know what needs to be done. We know what the Orioles should do it. Whether or not they will do it is a whole other matter. But, uh, again, there's a bunch of pitchers out there that if they're not willing to go for the multi-year deal— you would think that they'd be willing to maybe go for a one-year deal with a higher annual average value and say, let's go ahead and make this happen.
1: By the way, I have a friend at work who thinks that there are worse things than not signing anybody. Uh, my friend Chris at work is a is a Cardinals fan, and he just watched two things happen. First, he watched you Darvish go to the Rival Cubs, which was a kick in the gut. Yep. And then he watched his club sign Bud Norris. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. All right. So pitching aside, what else does this team need? They've acknowledged. That they need to do to do something about starting pitching. Uh, but they've also made some serious talk about needing to add or wanting to add a left-handed bat for the
0: outfield. Scotty, what do you think about that need, and what do they do about it? We talked about this at the end of uh, last season, and we talked about going out and getting an outfielder, um, particularly a left-hander. Um, and I still see Jared Dyson on the board. I think Jared Dyson makes the most amount of sense in the world for the Baltimore Orioles in terms of being a backup center fielder and also being a left-handed bat um, really, could be a play a nice platoon role with Austin Hayes also in right field if you needed him for it. Um, but we know the Orioles—they're going to end up with a player like uh, a John Jay instead. Um, <laughs> the the dead statesman, not the baseball. player. Right, exactly. And I mean, John Jay will be you know meh, but it's not like it's going to seriously move the needle. But like Jared Dyson again is one of those role players that could easily you know push the defense up a little bit, and um, you know. Just, again, giving that additional ability to get range on the outfield could be such a boon. And then being able to fill in a few games for Adam Jones in center field effectively is a big thing. And, again, the Orioles are putting a lot of um, pressure on Austin Hayes to deliver right out of the gate. Um, You would think that they would want to rely— on somebody else from an outfield perspective rather than austin hayes and i think jared dyson on a two-year deal gives them their best opportunity to do that
1: i agree with you i also agree that the orioles won't have the sense to do that uh eduardo encina at the baltimore sun speculated today and you should go out and read that article about a couple of familiar names both uh, guys we've seen here in baltimore as well as names that have been uh, previously linked to the orioles um and he has four headliners in that list so to speak uh the first is pedro alvarez Outfielder. Uh, well, you noted outfielder. Noted yeah. outfielder. Pedro mm-hmm. Alvarez. yes. Uh, Michael Bourne. Again, uh, noted outfielder. No- noted uh, uh, football player. Right. Um, Colby Rasmus, uh, noted uh, facial hair wearer, and Michael Saunders.
0: It's as if the Orioles um, went back into a filing cabinet from a previous year, and they're less like, hey, look at this. We've got player info on these files. Let's open these up. Oh, we've already done the scouting report on Colby Rasmus from... That's 2015. Eh, that's good enough. We'll make that work. They are also tweeting from the past. Yeah, I, I think that that plan is ludicrous. I do. It is as ludicrous as people saying, oh, Nolan, I will make make a comeback with the Orioles or, you know, the Orioles basically going out. Uh, and looking at uh, Drew Hutchinson was another individual that the <laughs> Orioles basically brought up. And you look at it and you're just like, oh, I remember Drew Hutchinson. And you're like, well, what was the last time he pitched? Oh, 2016 is the last time he pitched in Major League Baseball. This makes no sense. Like – you're going into a basically do or die season, and the Orioles are just like, let's um let's go with the least um least aggressive move possible, and let's literally flush money down the drain for someone that is going to have little or no impact on the team. I'd rather see, you know, Anthony Santander out there on yeah. a day-in-a-day-out basis than a Pedro Alvarez, Michael Bourne, Colby Rasmus, or Michael Saunders. I mean, there's a reason to do a platoon, and none of those are individuals on that on that board really do it i mean you think about pedro alvarez and we talked no to, I, I don't i i think about pedro alvarez and i think <laughs> to the situation of the oros keeping him on um you know the 40 man for the entire season and then basically getting him up into september and saying okay we finally got pedro alvarez and we're going to bring him up um and basically use him in september and then you look at how often they used him and it was maybe six at bats i think it was off the top of my head i mean very minimalistic here's the thing though If they go out and they they bring in a guy like Drew Hutchinson
1: or they bring in a guy like Pedro Alvarez and that's at the periphery of what they do, sure, fine. But there's nothing else that we're talking about. You know, if they go out and they sign two pitchers, whoever they may be, and then they say, oh, and just as an added insurance, we want to try, you know, see what Drew Hutchinson looks like in camp. Fine. If you go and sign somebody or somebodies to, to get in, into the mix in the camp and then say, oh, and by the way, we want to stash uh, Pedro Alvarez in the minors all season to, to bring up in September you know, for a blow, fine. But let's not pretend that that's
0: going to solve our problem. Sure. I, I think the only thing I would be wary of is if you go out and say, we're going to go get a – we'll use Kobe Rasmus as an example. We're going to go get Kobe Rasmus for $3 million, we'll put it at. I still come back to this is where the Orioles blow money is on these players mm-hmm. that make no significant difference to the team. And you look at it and you're just like, We spent three million dollars on that. Like, what did we really get out of that player for three million dollars that we couldn't have got from a minor league talent? Was
1: twenty fifteen the dead money year? Twenty fifteen just through. Twenty fifteen was by.
0: the dead money year. That yeah. was the Travis Snyder year, yes.
1: <laughs> All
0: right. Uh next
1: next uh, camp storyline, so to speak, that I want to talk about is Jonathan Scope. Sure. Uh, Jonathan Scope
0: wasn't at FanFest, and I don't care. I, I don't really care. and it's not a story whatsoever that any Orioles fan should really care about. People were looking for a story for FanFest because there was nothing else to talk about. And they just latched onto Jonathan Scope. Because, to a certain regard, the story was going to be about Manny, but people have basically already precluded that Manny's gone at this point. Right. So now it's the aspect of, let's not focus on Manny because Manny's already gone, Let's focus on Jonathan Scope and whether or not he is going to be part of this team moving forward next. And once FanFest doors closed,
1: the page was turned as far as people within the organization Absolutely. are concerned. They're all looking at camp. They're all looking at March 29th. Buck Showalter, Jonathan Scope, Jonathan Scope's teammates could care less about, about FanFest. So don't don't care. Here's something I do care about though. The most valuable Oriole from 2017. Is this a regression candidate in 2018? Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, Jonathan Scope is definitely a regression candidate.
1: And I would think that with the Orioles, let's call it a slim margin of error, that could really hamper the Orioles
0: if he does. (sighs) Yes and no. I mean, Jonathan Scope is not going to carry you, needless to say. I mean, last year he posted a 4.1 F4, um, which is pretty much probably the best he's ever going to do for his entire career. You know, if he posts a three F four, I'm not going to consider that a giant failure. I'm going to consider that to be right around the average for what he needs to do. The bigger aspect is looking to the players around him, such as uh, Manny Machado has to have a bounce back year. Mm-hmm. You would think he's going to, especially going into a contract year. Um, and then you got to hope that there's going to be bounce back years from other players around him, such as um, a Chris Davis or a Mark Drumbo. And you hope you get some solid production that you originally signed those guys for. All right, I'm glad you.
1: Well, I'm glad you brought those guys
0: up because my my question is. What does a
1: bounce back for those players look like? You, you just said, you know, for the value that you sign those players back, I, for Davis particularly, you're never going to see that, right? You're never going to see a $23 million player
0: out of Chris Davis. So what can we realistically hope for? 40 home runs. Yeah. That's just it. Dongs. Dongs. Dongs on dongs. Dongs on dongs. You are looking – I mean, you look at Davis and you look at Trumbo last year. Neither one of them had a 30 home run season. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. I mean, just how bad of a season both of them had. You're looking for 40 home runs from them. You want them to be leading the team, and you want them to be going pace with pace with Manny, trying to hit the most home runs on the team. And you're hoping that both Manny, Trumbo, Machado all hit 40-plus home runs this season. If all three of them hit 40-plus home runs, maybe you sniff the playoffs. Maybe. But man, that's still tough to say
1: with how lacking the pitching depth is right now. Sure, but I, I will say, you know, in that magical scenario that you just laid out there, you know, three forty home run guys, your your staff, whoever it is, sure does have to be less fine, right? <laughs> the pressure is a little less
0: when you got one hundred twenty home runs sitting in your back. I pocket. completely agree with you about that, and I think that's the that's the big aspect is you know you don't have to be quite as good um, when you've kind of got that much offensive prowess basically going into it, but. I, I mean, I just think that you're looking to basically push that 40 home runs and maybe even even like 38 ish or so. But like if sure. you can get Manny Davis and Trumbo all around, you know, 40 home runs on average for those three. I think you're looking at again at a, a very 2016 season where the pitching is. Meh, but the offense carries you the way. Yeah, that's how they
1: that's how they were supposed to be constructed. They didn't reach that level last sure. year, but that's
0: that's probably the best we. Can but do. again, I have a hard time buying it with the pitching. Which right now the pitching looks like it could be historically the worst pitching staff ever. And we said that last year with the Orioles <laughs> when they were pitching like they can't be any worse. Right now they would be worse than last year. This
1: may be a, a an historic, an historic, uh, an historically bad. Rotation without without an appearance, by the way, of Brian Mattis. All right, you mentioned Anthony Santander, yep. uh, who I'm also interested to see what happens. Uh, but one of these Rule Five guys has to stick, right? Because you still have Santander on his Rule Five status because of his injuries last year. Yep. And then you've got the the three Rule Five picks that they they took this year. Sure. I mean, do you have any?
0: Do you have any sense of what's going to go on with the Rule 5 guys? I would assume that Nestor Cortez has an easy in for the rest of the season. Hmm. Left-handed pitcher from the Yankees. I can't imagine the Orioles want to give him back. And again, it's not like the Orioles have a significant lack of depth from left-handed pitching. So I am sure that the Orioles are going to give a heavy look to Nestor Cortez and see what he could basically make happen during spring training. And they'll probably ride him into the beginning of the season and see – if they can use him and basically blow out his arm in some fashion, and then use him for next year <laughs> as well,
1: uh, you know, are, are you are you talking about a fifth starter? Are you talking about a Loogie? I mean, what role do you think he he has in the bullpen or the pitching staff in general?
0: <sighs> if I had a hope, it would be out of the bullpen. Uh, in all honesty, I, I could easily see the Orioles basically trying to put him in as a fifth starter, which scares the heck out of me. Well, at this point, he would be the number three starter. <laughs> we'll, no, yeah. that's Miguel Castro. Again, the sadness it emanates, but um, I, I think that's the only person I think would make it. Um, I, I don't see the other two getting too far in the, in, the, in 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 progression, but that's just me. No, the 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 thing
1: is that their their system is so depleted that you know these roll five guys are are better than anything else they've got. Right? Sure, and that was one well, of the ways. We'll we'll go ahead with
0: that. Sure. No, I mean, you know, l- look at left handed depth. Is, oh, yes, is, yes, yes. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, unless you're going with like a Chris Lee, but I don't consider right. Chris Lee to be the, that good. I mean, Chris Lee is either going to be, you know, a bullpen arm or he's not going to make the major leagues whatsoever. Um, but I mean, is Nestor Cortese any better than Chris Lee? I'd probably put Chris Lee still above Nestor Cortese, but. Again, they think that they can still make Chris Lee work, so they're going to keep him in the minors and keep tweaking him. Sure. But then, you know, you look at a Jose
1: Mesa and you say, is he any worse than Mike Wright? (laughs) You know, it's like— Evidently. These are the choices that you have to make. Uh, I think Santander sticks with the team. I think he he makes it— Oh, Santander
0: is easily going to make the team. I mean, he needs to be on the team for 44 days, and then he can go to the minors. I mean, this is just—this is the easiest thing in the world for the Orioles to make happen. I think that comes probably at the cost of Austin Hayes. I, here's where I'll put that. If the Orioles sign someone, absolutely, at the cost of Austin Hayes. If they don't sign anybody, Austin Hayes makes the the roster because you're going to need to have five outfielders on there. So you're going to do Trey Mancini, Jones, Austin Hayes, Santander. I mean, you're going to have to have all those guys, basically. And Craig Gentry. Craig Gentry is a minor league deal, so he could still go to Norfolk. But yes, Craig Gentry is with the Baltimore Orioles once again this year. And uh, the last, you know, minor bit of drama is that
1: the, I think, is that the Orioles will try to decide whether they're really, really, really okay with Joseph and Cisco as their their tandem for the the bench, or for the backstop. They've got, uh, you know, two guys, they've got wins, and they also just picked up that guy from the Giants organization. Suzak. Uh, you know, as depth. There are also some catchers that are still out there on the market, so if they get there and they they decide, you know, Jesus just really isn't working, I guess they could, but they seem pretty committed at this point.
0: I think they're going to roll with Cisco, and I think they're hoping that Cisco is going to figure it out, and it's very interesting to see the plummet that Cisco has seen in the prospect ranks since the end of the last season. I mean, you look at where he was, you know, during the prospect ranks, you know, middle of last year, and he was... Bottom 100, we'll call it no higher than 70 um, in, in a top 100 prospect. I mean, there might have been somebody that put him in the top 50, which was somewhat insane, but I mean, I would consider him to be a bottom 100 prospect. And now you're looking at, I mean, and he's not even in some of these top 100 prospects. I mean, he has plummeted out of it. And I think people are, again, once again, concerned with that aspect of defensively, there's always been those concerns. And I think people are starting to rumble heavier about that going forward. Me personally, I, We won't know until we see it, Um, but Chancisco has never struck me as that individual that screams to me when I look at him in terms of demeanor and approach of being a backstop catcher. Sure. I mean, the only thing I think that will save him is his bat.
1: That having been said, uh, that is what we said about Caleb Joseph that's what was was said about Caleb Joseph and it turned out not to be the case let's talk about Joseph for a second sure I, I love Caleb Joseph he's a great guy in the clubhouse he's a lot of fun to listen to I think he's going to be a great broadcaster someday and as a backup catcher any team would be happy to have him I don't think he he has the the wherewithal to be an everyday guy or to be to be a bulk of a of a tandem guy and I worry about not getting the best out of Caleb Joseph if you overuse him I mean what do you think? Do you do you think that he's somebody that can go more than sixty to seventy five games?
0: Yes, I do. I think he could easily go a hundred games, but I do think he needs to be have that platoon individual to basically go back with him. But I mean, he had his best season in 2015, going a hundred games with a one point four war. And we of course know the two thousand sixteen story where again he got pushed back behind weeders and after that basically he posted his some of his worst stats ever. I, I think Joseph needs that role where he's kind of being active and being part of um, not just getting up to the plate, but also being up there and also being basically a tenant um, with the rotation as well. So, yeah, I think Joseph's easily going to see 80 to 100 games this season, and I think he'll be the primary over um, a Chan Cisco for the majority of the season. I think Cisco will probably get, you know, 60 games this season.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just I don't know that that's necessarily too— uh... To Joseph's benefit. I am am skeptical, let's put it that way. It's all balls on deck, okay? (laughs) It's all ball. All ball on deck. Is there anything else from from what you're looking forward to for camp that I'm missing here?
0: Uh, You know what? I'll say this much. And we've already written him away. But I will be interested to see Machado and Scope up the middle and see how well they do. Yeah, and that's that's going to be one of the joys, I think, of this season. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about that and you realize that, you know, it's going to be a fleeting moment is the best way to describe it, but I will be very interesting to see the plays that Machado and Scope make and then the banter between the two when either something works really well or something works really wrong and just seeing how they converse. I could easily see it being a very similar situation to um, what we've seen in Texas with like an Elvis Andrus and a Adrian Beltre on the same side of the infield, basically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, even when the season was not going well last year, Manny Machado playing third base, knowing that just about every game he had the opportunity to do something special and make you go, whoa, I have never seen that on a baseball field or whoa, I see that every night from Manny Machado, you know, made made it worth watching, made the games worth watching in many respects. And, you know, we'll get at least one more shot at that.
0: I think it'll also be interesting to see how the Orioles compensate for this with Machado now up the middle infield and having scope right there as well. I mean, theoretically, the one biggest issue with scope has been kind of defensive range. He's mm-hmm. got the arm, but he doesn't have the defensive range. It'll be interesting to see if the Orioles... Utilize that any in any way with Machado's range, in order to basically compensate for any scopes um, inadequacies at second base.
1: Yeah, I don't,
0: I don't see it. I think that I think with what with with scope, what you see is what you get. Yeah, I I, I agree. I just there are people out there that say scopes an all star second baseman in terms of defense, and I just think he's probably more of like a top ten defensive second baseman. Here's the thing, uh, I don't. I don't know that
1: I am a great judge of defense altogether. It's one of those things where I don't feel like the defensive stats have really done us a full service yet. Sure. And it's also one of the things where you know that the eye test lies to you, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a really— Especially your eyes. (laughs) It's a really gray area for me. But I will say that I think that there are so many people decrying how poor uh, Scope's defense is that I I feel like my general impression is better than a lot of people give him credit for. But not as good as the fanboys
0: claim. I, that, that's exactly right. I don't think he's terrible, but I don't think he's he's great. I, I, like I said, I would put him right around you know ninth, tenth best second baseman in major league baseball in terms of defense. Like I said, his arm really propels him upwards, but his range is very meh. But his arm is great. You're absolutely right. I mean that brings him up into being um, again an upper tier second baseman, which is. Good enough for me. Good enough, exactly. Good
1: enough, Scotty. Um, the Orioles may break my heart this year, and so in in an effort to steal my heart away, why don't we talk openly from the heart? Orioles Baseball, I love you. Orioles Baseball, I love you in ways that are inappropriate and difficult in many ways to explain to my significant other. And so it is no wonder that the season of baseball's new beginnings coincide with the season of love. Yes, Valentine's Day approaches. It is in fact just two days from now. By the time you hear this episode, it may very well be Valentine's Day. And therefore, Scott and I will bear our heart to and through Orioles baseball. You know, dear listener, you narrowly missed a full-blown Orioles poetry corner. But uh, while emoting in this way, we, we couldn't. We couldn't leave with just uh, a little poetry. And so, Scott, if you'll allow me, um, you know, I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to read you a little Valentine. Okay, you can do that. Scotty, roses are red, violets are blue, the O's will have starters, we just don't know who.
0: Oh, I, I got you. I, I see what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this would be like, how will I pitch to D? Let me count the ways. Two, that's all we got. Yes, gotcha.
1: Yes, yes. But, you know, Valentine's Day, it's kind of a stupid holiday. Absolutely. Right? Uh, nothing but, uh, you know, the chocolate industry, the the card industry, you know, Hallmark generated a, a
0: holiday just so that uh, people would, would uh, fill their coffers. But So we here at Bird's Eye View we are not going to succumb to the commercialization uh, basically thrust onto uh, this industry of ours. So... We're just going to turn the turn a blind eye. So this next ad is from proflowers.com. <laughs> oh, no, wait. My bad. No, it's heavy seas. Remember? Oh, heavy, heavy seas. Right, 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 But, you know,
1: what? we thought maybe it's time that we produce, you know, some of those tearaway cards oh, yeah. that we could uh, put together for you, the Bird's Eye View listeners, to spread around uh, your office, your school, um, you know, amongst your season ticket plan friends. Um and so we're gonna we're gonna put these up on the site tomorrow. Um uh, and these will be uh Valentine's uh for the Baltimore Orioles. This is just a, a taste of them, uh, but I hope you will enjoy. This first one, Scotty, an old friend. My Valentine's Day needs more of you, starring Melvin Mora.
0: That's pretty good. Yeah,
1: yeah. I but they get better. They get better from here. Um we've beat up on mike Wright all day absolutely all day uh so with a sultry look from mr mike Wright himself wouldn't you like to scribble your name and that of your valentine
0: on a card that says you've got the right stuff for love that's a good one uh, jake i actually have one here too that i was working on um and it's a it's a throwback one too it's uh Dazed and confused, only when I'm looking from you at you. And it looks like Brian Roberts after a recent concussion incident. That's not cool. It's very funny, but it's not cool.
1: Uh, you talked about throwback. Let's go back to the unfortunate facial hair phase of the Baltimore Auras. Do you remember the horrible porn stashes? Oh, I do remember that, yes. Uh, there were great ones. T.J. McFarlane had one. Uh, Chris Davis had one. Uh, Darren O'Day had one. So just picture those gentlemen with just sporting that amazing uh, facial construction with the tagline of, the
0: tagline of, I'm shaving myself for you, Valentine. Wink. It's a good one. It's a good one. I've got one here, and it looks like it's to Zach Britton. It says, glad you could keep me company. And it's a picture of the Toronto bullpen. (laughs) Man, that's, uh, that's dark
1: that is dark. Um here's one after my own heart. And uh and this is true. I am delighted that this reference can once again grace our Oriole's uh hearts. And that is this. Miguel Mabel, seuls les mots qui vont très bien ensemble.
0: Très bien ensemble. And of course that is uh, miguel why did you throw a three-run homer over the left field fence yes i believe that's how my french translates i don't,
1: I don't know how to <laughs> swear in french but i'm gonna have to
0: learn we oui. <laughs> <laughs> and of course the last one we have uh before we post these up will be of course buck giving his uh good-looking grin to all of birdland and to birdland from buck show walter i like my guys Now, of course, these are our
1: Valentines. And our Valentine's wish for you, uh, Bird's Eye View listeners, is that you will uh, simply enjoy this season of New Beginnings. But tell us how we've screwed up. Uh, What did we miss? What would be your Orioles Valentines? Uh, Be sure to check the site, birdseyeviewbaltimore.com, where you can find those Oriole Valentines. And with that, Scotty, I think it's time we blow this save. Also the most wonderful
0: time of every four years, Scott, the Winter Olympics are upon us.
1: Are you a uh, Are you a Winter Olympics aficionado?
0: I'm an Olympics aficionado, um, but the Winter Olympics definitely come in a very far second. All right, so you're a summer guy. I'm a, a summer guy. guy, absolutely.
1: I got to be honest, I'm kind of a winter guy. Well. Uh, but as with most things in life, the joy has not been watching the Olympics. The joy has been watching my kids watch the Olympics. And particularly my son Henry, who's who's seven, he's a first grader. He is just all about the Olympics, watching them nonstop. And he likes some very interesting sports. His his top favorites in order are the Luge, because basically he's just sure that someone's gonna kill themselves. Right. Um uh, curling, uh, because he's my son. Right. Uh snowboarding, he's a big fan of. Uh, going all the way down to biathlon because he was uh, just tickled pink that there was shooting and skiing in the same sport. Uh, I've been enjoying watching the the winter Olympics. Uh, One of the things that's, that's always nice is that, you know, outside of the, the pent up, you know, built stories that the network does for you. It's cool to watch people who have worked clearly all their lives to be good at one thing, get a chance to showcase that off. And also, Anybody that's been on a pair of skis or on a sled or has
0: run or whatever looks at those uh, achievements and goes, Oh, good Lord, I could never do that. It, it's always an impressive aspect. And, you know, it, it's fun to watch for about two weeks. And then <laughs> it's um, all it's good for. And then it, it's basically like, All right, this is actually um, not that great. So uh, there is a reason why when, uh, let's call it Luge, comes on uh, like a Comcast Sportsnet and you're just like, That's interesting. Click. And you don't watch it any further. I mean I got about I got about five minutes of luge in me, but really that that's a ton of luge. Look, I see plenty of in other instances where you start at the top and end up at the very bottom every Orioles season, basically. You mean when you go
1: hurtling downhill at breakneck speed in a way that you're sure you're going to die? Pretty much. Yep. Nice. Sounds like an Orioles baseball season right there. <laughs> nice. And with that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at Bird's Eye View Baltimore.
0: Dot com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it says that you can get your podcast. Subscribe to shows, the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and many others. Remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and encourage other people to listen for the first time.
1: We love meeting new people and talking Orioles baseball with other diehard fans. Email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat, but... The best way to get a, hol- a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. And that, that's it. Baltimore and beyond, I bid you all a fond
0: adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. It doesn't feel like it's pitchers and catchers reporting time yet. It still feels like we're in the off season.
1: It feels like catchers reporting tomorrow.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Like before, when we did this show, we always got really excited for tomorrow. <sighs> this is going to be fun. Boys in shorts. Boys in shorts. Boys and shorts. Oh, wait. Are we not allowed to say that anymore? Are we not doing phrasing anymore?